Hi, this is Candace Crane with Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. And this is I Want to Do That, Women Helping Women Explore the Outdoors. This episode is brought to you by Can-Am. And today we are talking about dirt bike riding. And my guest is Kate. We just met this morning. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming. Of course. I got connected with you through the Devilstone Run, which is an incredibly exciting motorcycle ride that goes from Devil's Tower to Yellowstone. And it's taking place this weekend right here. Um, It's coming through Sheridan. And Sheridan Power Sports is one of the sponsors. Um, And so when I got connected with you, Kate, I was so excited to ask you to come on the podcast because you have been riding motorcycles for a long time. So tell me about that. Yeah, I've been, well, I've been riding on road for nine years, give or take. Yeah. Um, I just recently in the last couple of years started riding off road and it, that's been an experience sure. definitely because I've, I do mainly on my street bike, I do cross country touring. So oh, it's okay. a lot of long days and distance and I really love that. Um, but off-road is a lot different from that. You still need endurance, but it's like very short days, a little bit more technical, and you're really putting your body through it while you're out riding all day. Um, so it was it was interesting for me to kind of like try to learn a new discipline. Yeah, making that switch. Yeah. While it was still within something that I really love and care about so much. Okay, so just... we're talking about dirt bike riding today. Yes. But I do want to explore just a little bit your oh, experience yeah. on the road because I... Uh, I love meeting female riders. I am not one myself, although I aspire to be. I mm-hmm. want to do that, which is part of the reason why we're talking today. Of course. Uh, so tell me a bit more about your your on-road riding experience and and like how you got involved and, and just why you like riding two wheels in general. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't grow up with motorcycles. I grew up snowmobiling because I grew up outside of Chicago. Oh, interesting. And so okay. like power sports were cool. I knew what power sports were. I, I knew what a throttle did. Um, but I didn't know anyone who rode motorcycles. And I remember having this like moment one summer when I was still back in Chicago and I was like, you know what? I need to just go try something. And I actually bought a Honda moped. Nice. Like a vintage I have a Honda moped. I have, I have a Metropolitan that They're I ride so to cool. and from work and it is my favorite uh, yeah. thing that I own. Yeah. It's so fun. But it gave me that feeling of, okay, two wheels and balancing and going and stopping and all these things. There was no clutch, but I was like, I just want to make sure that I'm really, really into it before I go and find a motorcycle. Um, shortly after that, I moved to California and okay. that is really what, I didn't know it yet, but that really is what kind of kicked off motorcycles as kind of a lifestyle for me. So it took a little bit to kind of get settled there, but I bought a vintage Kawasaki that was like, well, you know, 40 years older than me and, uh, learned how to ride, learned well, how to I, shift I was gonna say, by so myself. You would never experience a clutch. Did you? Had you no. had you driven a manual transmission in a car? Before? Yes, but not well. Okay, <laughs> okay. And had you um, like were you an avid like biker or mountain biker? I mean, had no. You, okay, so you literally were just like, I like power sports. There's something about two wheels. I yep. really like this little moped that I'm on. Yes, and I want to upgrade. And were there people around you in California that were? No. Okay. And so I it was just a you know spontaneous. This is what I think I want to do. And I I read a lot of things and I I was. You know, when I bought that first bike, um, I fixed it. So I learned about oh. how these things work and I just went out and practiced. And I kind of knew that all it took was just practicing a little bit every once in a while. And eventually I would get more comfortable and I could leave the neighborhood, you know? Sure. <laughs> and then <laughs> eventually I'd get more comfortable and then I could like go to work and back and it would be reliable. And to get in this routine of like, okay, put my gear on, put the helmet on, start up the bike, let it warm up, like go, come back. All of those things are just like now they're 
they're like habits that have been formed for a long time. So I do them without thinking. Um, but back then it was like a conscious decision. Okay. Time to put my helmet on. I did not like wearing a helmet. It was not comfortable. I was so claustrophobic. So I had to kind of get creative and work around it. So by just like where do thinking about how you're going to do your hair that morning. Oh, for sure. When I ride my, my scooter to work, I'm thinking about, okay, I can't do my hair a particular way. I can't put my ponytail on top of my head. Yes. So I got to wear my ponytail in the back of my head, which really isn't super, super comfortable. So really what I need to do is put the braid in because then I can get the helmet on and off and not feel like my hair is all messed up and be comfortable while I'm riding. Yes. That was a huge concern of mine because I'm a hairdresser. Oh, okay. I didn't (laughs) know that. Wow. So I'd show up and, and typically would like bring clothes to change into. So I would, you know, ride to work in the salon in boots and gear and all this stuff and like riding pants. And then I'd bring like, uh, you know, my sandals and dress to change into, and then I'd change back and that's a pain in the butt, but it's worth it because then you get to like go home from work and get this like thrill and rush and reminder of like, this is why I do what I do. And my ride home from work was like a long PCH. And I was just like, oh, man, yeah. I'm here. I'm yes. it. You know, yeah. like yeah. it's so incredible. Well, you must have obviously not only figured it out, but really thrived with it because then yes. that led you to doing reviews for a product. And mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about how you got involved in the motorcycle community, especially as a woman. Yeah. So um, really, it was uh, maybe seven or eight years ago. I was kind of looking for gear as you do as a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. you're looking for pants, you want a jacket that looks cool, that isn't a million dollars. And I just kind of like maybe did some research about just women's brands where Mm -hmm. it's run by women, designed by women. And there were a couple, but they were never in the same space. So I had this idea to put together an event that was only women's motorcycle brands or the, from the big brands, have them only bring the women's line. I love that. And it was a hit. It went, it, we literally like toured the country with it for a couple summers and that was incredible. And I'm like very happy to say that I don't really need to do it anymore because those brands are so well-known, they're very established, they're expanding their lines, they're available all over the country and you don't have to have a standalone women's event in order to get access to that gear. They are producing, they, yes. they recognize and saw absolutely the, um, the appetite for that yes. kind of gear and how many women riders there exactly. are and started to produce more. That's yes. And exciting. so that's incredible because that's like maybe within the last five or six years that it's really taken off. The bigger yeah. brands are starting to pay attention and put a little bit more effort into their women's gear, which is incredible too. Like a little too late because they've existed for a very long time. Sure. But you know what? We'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm really proud of them. You should, and you should be. And they should be on. as well. Yes. 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 But so that's how I kind of started in and around the industry was working these events. And I would uh, brand rep at trade shows. And I would just get to know all of these people and communities inside of that. Because um, especially with the women's moto gear community, all of those women have put their life savings and blood, sweat, and tears into every single stitch that goes out of their brand, right? That's a very close-knit group. We're all very, like, I say we, I don't make anything, but, like, it's very girl power. It's very help me help you. It's very, like, well, we all... And you're, but you're a writer. Yes. I mean, and that's the most am, important component yes. of it, right? You're, you're an advocate, but you're... More importantly, you're a writer yes. who wants to feel comfortable on their bike and yes. wants to feel safe, but also wants to look good. And yeah. want to, you want to feel cute and you want to you know, know that you can put on your gear and mm-hmm. go to work or go to your happy hour or go wherever you're going to go and, yep. and show up feeling good about yes. the way that you look and not feeling like I have to wear 
clothing that is oversized or too long or mm-hmm. just doesn't fit. Yeah, anymore. exactly. Because at the end of the day, that is a safety concern too. For if sure. your jacket's too big, the armor's not going to sit in the right space and it's not going to do, it, do its job. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of how I like clawed my way into um, the motorcycle industry was definitely through the women's side of the community. Okay. Um, also being a part of the community, you know, I've been a part of riding groups. I've been a part of just community meetups that aren't just women, women only. Um, and I feel like there's a huge difference between people who love to show that they're part of the community and people who actually show up for it. Absolutely. And some of that is not just going to every single event, but some of it's like really, you know, you connect with other riders while you're riding. Yeah. You go across the country and I have friends all over the country now that I've met because I go there yeah. and I, I'm like, hey, show me your favorite road. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then I'm like, cool, I'll see you next year. And then I keep moving and being able to kind of see how wide the network is and how strong the community is from that perspective, that makes a huge difference. Well, with that being said, I, I want to thank you for pulling me in because I now <laughs> am going to be doing a portion of the ride this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a rider myself, but my boyfriend is. So I'm going to be um, going out with him. And it's, one, it's a step in the right direction for me. Absolutely. I definitely want to. I've got my motorcycle license in sight. I want to you know, work towards that. I, I, mm-hmm. I, can, I see myself owning a bike in the near future. And it's, you know, it's women like you that Help me to think, gosh, I can do this. Right? Yeah. Like you didn't, you, again, you grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest. You didn't have access to necessarily some of mm-hmm. these things. So that's super exciting. So you, so you built this network within the road community mm-hmm. and you became kind of a subject matter expert in, a, in an area of that community. Right. And then you decided a couple of years ago, I want to move from road to dirt. Yes. And what, what was that? What was that, that was, well, for the longest time, cause I had tried riding off road and it was like a failure. It was not easy for me. It was not intuitive for me. I struggled. I didn't have the right bike. I didn't have the right gear. Uh, at one point I didn't have the right teacher and it was just, okay, nothing's, nothing's working out for me. And it took a couple years to kind of get over my own ego okay. of like, I've said it's too hard and I don't like it. And instead I should be looking at why it's too hard and how I can challenge myself to, to like it. I love that. And it, I mean, it's taken me a lot of years <laughs> to get to that point, but, um, I knew off-road, was different, takes different skills. It takes different response times. It takes just different muscles in your body to do. Um, so I thought it was just like this combination of, you know, how can I practice that? What bike can I get that I can go out by myself? And that's just calling back to when I was learning how to ride a street bike by myself. Mm-hmm. What's something that's accessible for me? So I feel comfortable just going to, you know, the local trail and maybe riding up and down you know, nothing too crazy, but maybe next time I can try and go around the corners a little faster. And then you're just kind of racing yourself at that point. So what was it about the dirt that was calling you versus just saying, you know what, oh. I've made a na- name for myself and I've got this network on the road and I feel comfortable on the road. And I'm you proud know what of it was like, what was it about the dirt that was just calling you in? Um, it's because I've gone cross country on the street so much. Oh, okay. I want to go cross country on the dirt. Nice. Okay. So that so, I will say that when I think about that type of an adventure, yeah. that gets me super excited. I'm yeah. not there, but I'm that, not there I could either. strive for yeah. that for sure. But I'm a lot closer than I was two years ago when I started dirt. I'm very close to it now. Good for and you. it's it's just taken some time to like really be patient with myself and get used to get used to one bike where I really can feel very comfortable on it. I have a TW 200, okay. which is like a TW should stand for training wheels. It's so easy. 
it's it's definitely like approachable. It's very much a beginner bike. People use them as farm bikes. You know, sure. anyone can hop on, and everything's forgiving about it. The clutch, the throttle, all of it. And so, the first month or two I had it, I went on like a couple trail rides. I took one class, a Jimmy Lewis class, which if anyone knows who that is, that's the class to take if you're starting out. Um, and then signed up for an off-road race. Wow. Not you really just, knowing. You, you just jumped oh, yeah. right in. Okay. Thinking, you know, it's, you know, a lap's 25 miles. If I can do one lap, then that's fine. For I just sure. want to be able to prove that anyone can do it. Um, also friends of mine, namely Brady and Brett and a couple of the other go fast friends that, you know, go fast on are, die, a, yes, a company yeah. founded here in, in Sheridan, yes. Wyoming, over a product. Yeah. Yes. They were doing it on all sorts of things. Brett did it on a Vespa. Oh yeah. And like killed it. Wow. It okay. was great. So I was like, okay, if I can beat the Coleman pull starts in the misfit class, then <laughs> it's, but it was a little bit of like, you know, I was putting myself out there in a way where I would have to challenge myself a little bit, but I still had people looking at me and saying, dang, I won't even line up and I know how to dirt bike. Yeah. And I could do those hundred miles in all four laps, but you're doing it on a TW. Oh my God. And I'm like, yeah. yes, yeah. exactly. Oh Good my God. I'm you. so excited. Yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of the, if I'm going to do it, I'll just do it. But in between that first year of that, you know, kind of fumbling my way through it. Um, and now I've put in way more time. I've put in a lot more just effort of learning the bike, effort of um, getting myself in shape. Sure. Like, because off-road riding is really hard on your body. You really got to make sure your endurance is up and you can pick up your bike 12 times. Much more active. Yes, riding. absolutely. I mean, it is the one yeah. of the most active things you can do yeah. for now. But um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely, it took some time and some very deliberate, I just have to go out and ride three days in a row. Because on the first day, you're excited. The second day, you're tired, but you can do it. The third day, you're exhausted you're and your exhausted. body wants to shut sure. down. Yep. But that's you building up that muscle memory Yeah. of here's here's what to look for. And especially when, which I don't really have aspirations to race. It's fun. And I don't get that panic at the starting line, which is probably a, an issue. <laughs> um, but I mean, I still want to be able to go ride for three or four days. And especially if I'm going to be doing off-road cross-country like the BDRs, um, which is backcountry discovery I've just, route. I've, I've just they're incredible. To learn about these yeah, things, where it's it's so you can get from one point to another, but you're mm -hmm. doing it all off road, off -road. or like the majority. Sometimes you have connector roads. Sure. Sometimes you have to get to a gas station. But it's not like so. There's different. There's different ways to to dirt bike, and I know in town here we have a um uh, a course called Three Poles that you can go and take. Like I when I get my bike, that's the first place I'm going to be going because mm -hmm. it's. They're, they're um, really nice trails. You know, they're designed for people to kind of be learning and perfecting their skill. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's accessible here, you know, right in town. It sounds like you did some of that yeah. in, in your in your town as well when you were learning. But then you can also go, like here in Wyoming, you could go up the mountain and mm -hmm. literally, you know, take your dirt bike onto the mountain. Or you're saying this other option is to go on these courses or races routes, or yeah. routes, I should say, where you're going from point A to point, point B, but you're doing it off-road instead of doing right. it on the road or Correct. a combination of both. Yes. Yeah. And those okay. are like, some of them are, it's like a, a mod podge of things. You know, you start and it's like a graded farm road type of thing, or just like a fire trail. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, climb a, a pass and then you come down the other side and then it's like two track. And it's, it's so different and every single, there's a lot of them now there typically there's like one in each state and then they have some alternate like options off of those routes. 
Um, so each one has a different flavor. You know, That's the Northeast fun. one I've heard is incredible. Um, I keep hearing about the Idaho one. Yeah. I just saw a whole squad of, I think they were like Honda Trail 90s or Trail 70s or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that, did the Idaho BDR. Oh, wow. So that's a that's a moped. That's a scooter. Wow. Loaded up. <laughs> wow. Absolutely wow. loaded up with like everything. Yeah, we have those trails. We're They're really... so cute. Yeah, they are really cute. Um, but if they could do the BDR, albeit very slowly and with lots of baggage, um, anyone can. Well, they do look way more off-roadish, I will say, than my Honda Metropolitan scooter. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, but that's it's true. Still, <laughs> the the it vintage still... ones could definitely yeah, handle but some. It's, it's still not when you look, when you see it, it's not. I think that I think it's like a. Yeah, it's not even 100 cc's, I don't think. Oh, yeah, no. I think my old one was like a 50. Yeah, yeah, my current current one's 50. So so let's talk about for for women that are looking to purchase their first dirt bike. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know I see a lot of this in in our store at Sheridan Power Sports. Um, What do they need to what do they need to know? I I know that it's important to have the the weight to engine ratio, meaning your Mm -hmm. weight to the ratio or to compare it to the engine size of the bike that you want to buy. Yeah. Plus, it's important to make sure that the balls of your feet can touch the ground. Mm, Debatable. Okay, debatable. So tell me, so tell me what 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 do you look for when you're purchasing a bike or what would you recommend somebody who's new in dirt biking to look for when they're purchasing their first bike? Um, The things that I kind of went through was, you know, because I, I had a lot of friends in my ear telling me to get a regular full-size dirt bike and then lower it, which is a pretty big so investment. So we're talking like 450 cc, Oh, no, no, no. 250? Like 250, but okay. regular seat height. Got and it. seat height, I, I think, okay. is the biggest difference. And why I got my TW, I could fit most of both of my feet on the ground with the TW, especially in dirt boots. Um, but it was that just that like easeability and like... Um, accessibility of I don't have to pick or choose what side I'm stopping on. I can just put a foot down anywhere, absolutely anywhere. And I know the ground will be right there and I don't have to lean the bike over to get a flat foot. That is what is important. Based on your height, that's going to mean different bikes for you. If you're taller and you have a longer inseam, you can go for a 250 dirt bike that's right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Okay. Because you can put your foot flat on the ground at some point without really having to think about it. Um, but for more petite women like but us, for who more have petite a little bit women, legs. there are, and there's there's like a solid handful of bikes from a solid bunch of you know uh, brands that afford you know you can do that. You can, especially on the TW. Although I don't know that I would recommend that even to myself to do the same thing over again because I got a little too comfortable with just how like wide the tires are and it'll chug up anything. And I didn't really have to pick lines because I was just rolling over it with the big fat tires anyway. Now, when I'm on a dirt bike, I have to really be conscious of picking lines, anticipating what reaction I'm going to get from the bike, you know, what the front wheel is going to do versus what the back wheel is going to do. And then what's the next three, you know, points in front of that, that I want to try and hit. With the TW, you just can hold your eyes and pin it, and it'll go, go up a hill. And it'll go. Yeah, that's kind of how my mountain bike is. I have a I have a mid fat tire on my mountain bike, so I it, it's almost like people look at it and they think, oh, that's your fat tire bike. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that's my mountain bike because mm-hmm. I just prefer to have the larger tires because as oh, I'm going yeah. over that terrain, it makes me feel more comfortable. Yes. But definitely from a technical standpoint, I'm probably not yeah. as advanced or as far along as I should be. As yeah, far as based on how much riding I've done. Um, so, you know, in terms of the, the, the bike, you were talking about the, the size is important, um, in terms of the, how it fits. Right. What about anything like how you're reaching for it? I mean, is any of that um, make a difference? No. And I want to say, because a lot of when you're dirt biking, especially when you're beginning, 
um, standing up is the thing you need to get used to. So I wouldn't even be checking, like check how it is when you're sitting on the bike at a stop. Okay. Right. You don't spend a whole lot of time unless you're on a road connecting trails. You don't spend a whole lot of time sitting on that bike. So whereas you do kind of want a comfortable seat, that shouldn't be your top priority. What you should check for is standing up on the pegs and where your body is in relation to, um, like, are you leaning over the tank? Are your arms straight out? Are your elbows locked? Where do you want to be? Is that where you want yes, to be? Yes, right. So you want to be able to like lean forward, but not bend at the waist, lean forward, just move your whole body forward. And you want to be able to look down and see your front fender. You want to kind of see where the number plate would be. Okay. And then what that does is puts your body in a position where you can lean even more forward if you're going, you know, uphill, or Mm -hmm. you can lean backwards to put your weight over the rear tire if you're going downhill or going over certain things. Um, And it just gives you that ability to pick one or the other almost instantly. Now, how do you determine this fit? prior to purchasing the bike yeah, or prior to being out you know on the trail. Can You're you do right. it in a store or how you do you- You could probably do it in a store. Um, for me, I have really bad spatial awareness, so I'm not aware of what my body's doing on bikes. And I've, I've what was very, very helpful for me when I was taking um, the class in the, in the desert, they do it, mostly it's drills on a dry lake bed. But oh. when I tell you, as a beginner, you want to do those to form new habits. And as someone- watching all of these guys coming back after riding their whole lives, they couldn't do even the most simple drills. Wow. They had no idea. Yes, exactly. Um, So what helped me was someone taking a video of me doing these like quick stop drills Ah. where, you know, you're leaning forward over something and then you're like pushing, you're almost like sitting down, pushing the bike back and sitting over the rear tire to brake because you want the back to slide a little bit. Sure. I had no idea what my body was doing. So she took a video of me doing this three times in a row and showed it to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh. <laughs> I can see what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm barely moving. Yeah. Like I you really think you're moving. To, you, you, think, think, you think you're moving yeah, you and you're, you're like moving. barely, yeah. you know, squatting and getting back. And I'm like, okay. And I was able to then fix my body positioning and get it to work the right way and actually lock up the rear, which I was like, huh, look at me go. I, you know, I amazing. love, I love this feedback and what you're talking about. Cause I, I, I think that oftentimes, especially as women, if we're intimidated by something, we just get on and we go because yeah. we want to prove it to ourselves. We want to prove mm-hmm. it to the men that we're riding with, you know, yeah. whether that be our friends or our family, you know, even if it's brothers, whatever. And we don't necessarily take the time to be as intentional Mm -hmm. as what you're describing to learn the fundamentals and learn the basics. Right. And, and obviously I haven't dirt bike uh, ridden before, but I would suspect just being an athlete that when you, when you do learn the technical components and learn how to Mm -hmm. use the machine, the way that it's designed to use, the way that it's designed to be used and to really allow the machine to do the work, you know, and right. so when you, when you can figure that out, not only is it gonna be more enjoyable, but it's, it's more safe. And it ultimately is, yeah. you, you get to be a lot better rider. Case yes. in point, the people that were riding for a long time and had never taken these courses right. before and didn't know some of the basic stuff. Yes, definitely. Anyone can sit on a bike and pin it and go over most obstacles. You know, it really takes some effort. And like you said, intention to figure out how to like doing counterbalancing on a, a turn yeah. or something. And then trying to do that same thing in the sand. Like, I still can't different, do that. That's terrain. really hard. Yeah. Yes, so terrains. it's it's not like you learn dirt and then you can do all dirt. Sure. You learn dirt and then you get to learn a little bit of enduro and then you get to little do some desert riding and then you can go find single track and then you can get some obstacles done. And then and it's like these all these subcategories where 
You don't just like ride on some mud and think like, cool, I did it. Yeah. You're like, I'll check that off my list and move on to the next, you know, obstacle. Yeah. Um, so it's great. I really, I'm a person who loves learning new things. Um, the second I say, oh, that's too hard. I can't do it. I have to say, oh, that means I should try it. I gotta, I gotta focus on figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. And, yeah. and it works. It works. It definitely, I mean, I went dirt biking last weekend, still a little sore, but not, not too much. Um, but it was a bike I'd only ridden once. It was a two, a 252 stroke. So okay. it's a little bit, power's a little bit different from yeah. like a typical newer four stroke. Four stroke sure. And we were riding on, you know, kind of like choppy trails, nothing too crazy, but we were going a little slower because I had never been on that bike before. And when I tell you that bike did most of those things without me, um, I won't be lying, but I felt so much more comfortable on it because I spent the last two years on an underpowered bike yeah. learning, learning basics. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got the right tools in my hands and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> What am I doing? <laughs> so what about if somebody is thinking about purchasing a used bike? What if what if our, our female listeners are thinking to themselves, you know, I really want to try this. I'm not sure I want to make that five to seven thousand dollar investment. Yeah. Probably what you're That's looking a lot. at for a, you know, 125 or 250 cc, which mm -hmm. for most women, that's probably where you want to start right. you know, in that, in that size range. So if they're thinking, you know, I'm not sure that I want to do that, but I've got access to some used ones that I mm -hmm. can either use or try or buy. Right. What should they be, um, what should they be asking the seller? Or what should they be aware of before they get on that bike? Um, well, that's when that's literally the phone a friend. Find someone who is a know-it-all about whatever it is. If you don't know anyone, there's lots of information on the internet. Okay. Um, and I want to say, because I've even, I've had people reach out who I don't know. And they're like, hey, can you come with me to buy this bike? This is my first bike. I don't know what to ask. And I literally rode up to Pasadena from Southern Cal, like from Orange County and stood there and asked all of the questions for this girl and like so for example so like how how have you ridden it okay maintenance sure. maintenance how is this how is right. the current owner or exactly previous owner how they maintain specifically oil mm -hmm. tires absolutely and you can tell i mean unless they went through it with a toothbrush you can tell when something's kind of been like used and abused or okay. but used i mean dirt bikes are going to look a little rough no matter what you know, you want to check out the chain. You want to make sure every, like the sprockets aren't all worn down okay. and you can kind of, I'm sure there's like maybe checklists out there where you can be like, Hey, if it looks like this, don't get don't it. Don't get it. Yeah. But yeah. also have a good attitude about like, Hey, if everything else is great on it and they're like, Oh yeah, I guess I should probably, you know, should have done the sprocket, but I have the, the spare one and you're like, okay, that's an easy fix. That's something that I can do myself or that's like a low hour thing I can have a shop do. Um, so you kind of want to like have a good idea about that. Things like plastics, you can replace those. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's, and it's interesting too, cause I think it, for me, especially I tend to be how something looks initially, like whether I, you know, I'm walking into a house or whatever, I'm like, Oh, I don't like, you know, I can't live in this house or buy this house because of the, yeah. the wallet. And yeah. Like, well, you can change the paint, you know? So yes. Just because it looks a certain way from, yeah. a, from a, like, like you said, plastics or cosmetic mm -hmm. perspective, yep. doesn't necessarily mean it's the right bike for you or it's the wrong bike for you because yes. it could be the opposite too. Yeah. Right? We it could, could be have a our very eyes well maintained. On, hey, this is a beautiful bike, but it's not the right size for you right. or vice versa. It yep. doesn't look like cosmetically it's in the best shape, mm -hmm. but mechanically it's right. in really good shape. So if someone has like meticulous service, you know, ev everything they use, Ask including the what records, they, yeah. yes. Yep. Um, another like green flag to me is if they've just had it for a long time. 
Okay. Like sometimes you, cause you always get a story, especially with dirt bikes. Sure. You're like, Oh, I bought this for my, you know, my girlfriend's kid and he rode it around a couple summers and now we just take it camping. So it kind of, everyone gets on it, but like it's never been raced or it's never been thrown down a mountain or like sometimes you can tell. And then other times you're just like, I don't, I, I mean, I have friends who will pick up bikes for nothing on Craigslist mm. and do like the bare minimum and flip them. And I'm like, I would never ride one of your bikes. Yeah, I would never want to. I would never yeah, trust that. But yeah. um, it doesn't take too long, too. And I feel like if people are open about the back history, they'll tell you just about anything. So if, basically, just open up. How have you yeah. used it? How have you recorded Ask with? questions. Did you, did you race? How hard of a riding did you do? Yep. And it's not because they necessarily did anything wrong, but you just want to know yep. what you're getting yourself into exactly. to decide is this the right bike for me? Because yeah. if, you're, if you're stepping up to something larger, mm -hmm. and maybe it was a race bike, that potentially could be the right bike for you if they've got the maintenance records. Right. But if you've never ridden a bike before and, and you don't they've know. ridden the bike yeah. hard and they have no maintenance records because maybe they've done everything themselves or they didn't do anything at all, yeah. that chances are you're going to have a lot more risk with that bike. You could always being a general manager of dealership, you can always bring the, the bike into the right. local power sports dealer as well. And that's something that I've suggested for other people who are like, hey, I'm between these bikes. And I'm like, cool, see if the seller will meet you at a dealership, meet you Perfect. at a shop, find yeah. the local you know, off-road shop yeah. and be like, meet me here. Yeah. If yeah. they won't do that, that's a red flag. Yeah. If they're yeah. like, yeah, I'll load it up and you know, you can have one of the text look over things, Perfect. that's then Perfect. you know that you can trust it. Yes. Definitely. And I will say... Uh, as someone who came from vintage bikes with a kickstart, I know it's really, really appealing to get a cheap bike with a kickstart, but please, if you're a new rider, just get one with the electric start. Makes it's sense. so much. Yeah. It's less things to mess with. It's instant. You know, if you stall a bike, which you do, I still do all the time. Um, you just turn it right on. You don't yeah. have to look around, make sure you have a flat space to put your foot down and then kickstart. Kickstarting on the trail in the middle of an obstacle is not fun. It's another another thing to get frustrated with. Yes. Another thing to have to learn. So if you're, you know, if you have a checklist, you're like looking for something, like you said, between yeah. 125, maybe 225, maybe yeah. 250, depending on the size. Yeah. There's a lot of bikes in that range. There's a lot of older bikes in that range. There's a lot of electric start bikes in that range. And I feel like all of those are pretty accessible. Um, you can find them just about at, like end of the summer. You'll start to you'll see start them to pop see them. up. Yeah. And there's going to be more electric bikes, like totally electric yes. bikes coming as well. I know we've got, yeah. um, an electric 50 CC and Can-Am's got an electric, um, road bike, adventure bike coming down the pipeline that's mm -hmm. available in 2024. So another thing to consider, but let's talk about, let's talk about gear. My favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are, what is the gear that you cannot live without? What's the gear that you have to have? And what's the ones that you can't live without? Um, the gear that I wear every single time without fail is probably, it's like my pads and stuff underneath. It's all Liat. Okay. And I want to say they're one of the few companies that make like fully protective gear, including braces and all that, but women sized. And what was the name of the company again? Liat, L-E-A-T-T. L-E-A-T-T. Liat. Good to know. They make, they also make mountain bike stuff. Some of it's like hybrid stuff. Um, I found stuff that works really great for me because I'm pretty small. Typically I fit in kids gear. But that's not as protective. Sure. Um, so I have like a chest protector that's a kid's extra extra large. Okay. Um, that I've altered a little bit. I've you know made it a little bit bigger sure. in the arms. Yep. Um, but uh, that's that goes on under every single thing, like every so ride. All your basic pads, base layers, base yeah. Layers, your pads, and then 
what about is there like a particular like do you like a particular kind of glove or kind of helmet um kind of boot let me see the i've i've gone between two different boots one's more of an adventure style boot because that's where i thought i would go and that's probably where i'm going to go eventually but not yet and i just switched over to like an alpine alpine stars um tech seven okay again in the kid's size is it Um, just so what's the difference between how they're designed um one is like a full leather boot that looks like an adventure boot so it's not hard plastic protection it's not like the sole is a little bit more like a typical fashion boot sure i mean it's made of the right things it's got the right protection in it it's just a little bit it's not made for like throwing a a dirt bike around i see yeah um it's pretty stiff that kind of thing whereas the alpine stars once you break into them like break them in just the tiniest bit because they don't really need a lot yeah um they're super comfortable but if the bike lands on your foot or your leg you're fully protected so that is something that's going to happen the bike is going to fall you're going to fall you're going to fall so it's important first of all to be able to get that bike back up i know that definitely that we need to be able to as women especially know that whatever bike we're we're buying or we're riding that mm-hmm. we can pick it up because yep. chances are it's going to be on the ground. Yeah, no, not ch- every single time it'll be on the ground. It's going to be on the, the ground. Beginning. Okay. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. there were rides where I was falling over every ten feet because it was sand. But I mean, if you can knock it over ten times and pick it up eleven, you're still riding. That's great, right? That's you and that's where the you know being a little bit more fit helps because then you're not winding yourself, and the more times you pick it up the t- more tired you are and the worse you ride. But um, at this point, I mean, I don't knock my TW over. I did knock over my friend's 250, but I mean, I was able to pick it up and I yeah. surprised myself with how I was able to pick it up. It was upside down, literally oh, wow. upside down wow, wow. in a rut. And I was like, nope, got this, picked it up. And I was like, dang, <laughs> this is great. That's such you a know? good feeling. Yeah, that's such Absolutely. A good but it helps to, you know, when you're wearing that gear, you just bounce off the ground. It's, it's, so it's don't skim on the gear is what I'm hearing. Don't skim well. on the gear. You can find stuff that's a little bit cheaper until you really decide. Because I'm very like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I want to get cheap gear first and then I'll invest in something later. And I do the opposite. I go like full bore with the expensive things. And then half the time I'm. Yeah, I'm I afraid of that. I don't like, I don't like <laughs> I'm afraid I'm of in, that. You know, or like a component of it, but I don't like the whole oh, yeah. piece. So then I end up having to you know try something else. And- Definitely. And I, de- I ask around a lot. I had, I think I'd borrowed gear from people sometimes, or I luckily have a friend who's the exact same size as me. So when we go riding all over the country, I can be like, hey, I'll bring my helmet, but can I borrow your spare set of boots? Always helps to know and we're the same like exact that. size. And it's great, but... The thing is, she's a much better rider than me, and it was her 250 I was borrowing. <laughs> and so anytime I say, oh, I can't fit on that, she looks at me and she's like, if I can fit on it, I know you can. <laughs> and she, like has a, she has a Ducati Desert X that mm, she nice. rides off-road, and that's a very tall, very big bike. And so she's like, if I can do it, and I was like, I've seen you fall over on that. I don't think I can. I don't want to break a leg. I mean, there is a component uh, of like, do I want to? I might be, yes. I might physically be able to, but yes. do I actually want to do And that's a good point because I'm a very conservative rider when it comes to that. Um, someone will be like, oh, I've got this here. Why don't you just give it a shot? And I'm just like, you know, I don't know if that's for me right now. Maybe in a little bit when I get some more skills under my belt. And that's how I, you know had reacted to my friend offering her dirt bike. Finally, I rode it this year and I think I had gone to like, go get it. And the kickstand was up and I tried to get on, couldn't get on. And I walked over and I'm like, Hey, I can't fit. And she's like, no, come back, take the kickstand off because it changes the suspension in the back. I didn't know that. Uh, (laughs) took the kickstand down uh, or, you know, up 
and and then got on it and lo and behold my feet could touch the ground mm. not both at the same time but one on one side enough to like get going and i'm like well dang there you, go. there you go <laughs> that's all it took that's all it took and now i'm just like okay i think i can get a 250 and hers is it has a low seat but the only thing that's different between that 250 full-size stock is um the correct suspension so oh, her okay. suspension's softer and it sprung for her weight um typically dirt bikes are sprung for giant you know dudes yeah. and if you're not six foot 220 that suspension won't do anything with I a five three hundred thirty pound woman on Africa it. Africa twins. So we we sell Africa twins through Honda, and it is a massive, massive, massive bike. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a really cool adventure bike. Um, and I was observing it in the showroom. I mean, there's like it's half the size of me. Like I could there I couldn't even climb on it. And mm -hmm. then I watched a, a man who wasn't that much taller than me, but weighed a lot more. Mm -hmm. And it just sunk right down mm -hmm. to be able to fit him. And I had no yep. idea. You know, it kind of got me thinking like, gosh, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that I would ever jump to the Africa Twin right now. But mm -hmm. I know that there are women that ride it. And there are women that ride it that aren't necessarily that much bigger than I am. Yep. So, it, you know, it can be done. But, yes. Um, working towards that and knowing what you're what you're ready for. Absolutely. And, yeah. Know. Being honest with yourself, I think is the biggest hurdle Agree. of, you know, like, yes, yeah, so there's a difference between I can't do this and I'm not willing to try totally because right. sometimes I'm willing to try and I tried three or four times and I'm like, listen, I'm not there yet, Yeah. but at least I, you know, gave it a shot. Yeah. And I think that makes a big difference, but yeah, you're right. There are some things that you just really can't work around and you have to start making equipment changes well, like suspension or seats. Yeah. So Let's let's talk about kind of in closing um, for women like myself who mm -hmm. are on the cusp, you know, mm -hmm. hear all about your adventures and and getting dirty in the dirt and and especially the idea of being able to travel from one point to another. For me mm -hmm. personally, that is super exciting. Obviously, I don't own a dirt bike. I haven't gone on a dirt bike. What advice do you have for those of us that are at that point where we want to do this? Yeah. But aren't sure well, how to get started? I mean the the MSF class. Okay, MSF class. So taking a so class. So taking a class, and that's the basic class. They assume you know zero. You you know the basic shape of a motorcycle. You know it has two tires. You know there's some sort of clutch Which is basically thing. basically where I'm at, that's, and I am and a general okay. manager of a power And that's okay, system, and that's so. where I started at a certain point, except I came in thinking I knew what a motorcycle was, and I was surprised to learn so much more about it because um, I took the class a couple years after I'd started riding. Turns out I was doing things so wrong and had no idea what I was doing in things like turns. And I came out of that class a much better rider because I was willing to learn, right? So take the MSF class. Some of them, depending on where you are in the country, they actually use dual sport bikes. Oh, nice. You already have in your hands and at that first couple turns around a parking lot, that entry level dual sport, you could go on-road or off-road depending on whatever you're feeling for the day. So you already know what it's like. You have that like little bit of like recognition of like, cool, I know I can fit on this. I know what it's like to start and stop. I know what it's like at maybe, you know, second or third gear. Um, all you have to go do is just go get your own yeah. and then go practice. Okay. And yeah, MSF is a great place to start. If you're at the point where you're like, cool, I've got a bike, I've got some gear, I'm really struggling, a class would be great. You can find women run classes. You can find all sorts of off-road classes kind of scattered throughout the country. Personally, I love going to uh, like women-centric off-road events. There's some on the East Coast. There's some on the West Coast. There's a smattering in between. Um, 
that are kind of like location specific. I feel like there's one or maybe there's a couple people like around Chicagoland area mm -hmm. um, that also do offer a training that are like women only. But what that does is it gives you this little bit of a, a security blanket around you. All these women are like, girl power, you can I, do it. I love it. I went to yeah. all women's surf camp to learn to surf in Nicaragua. And it was, you really can just kind of let your guard down when yeah. you are learning um, of a sport, especially a very physical sport mm -hmm. and one that can be intimidating, um, you know, surfing or dirt bike riding. Like, yep. yeah, there's a lot you don't know. It can be very frustrating and you're going to fail a lot more than you're going to be mm -hmm. successful as you're learning. And um, just to be around other women yep. and other women participants and other women instructors. Like for, yes. for me, it was all women. There was Absolutely. No, you know, no men involved. And it just really allowed me to focus on being the athlete that I know that I am mm -hmm. and, and being able to ask questions without feeling silly or like I should know something or that somebody's going to be impatient. Mm -hmm. um, but also knowing that these women aren't going to let me slide either right yeah like these are they'll hold you women. yeah they they'll hold, hold you to you it exactly and they'll turn around and say okay let's let's go practice over here that's an exact or exactly and i've i've done it too i'll show up somewhere and someone will be like oh your bike and i'm like get on it ride it yeah tell me what you think yeah like i will like put them on something if they're like hey i'm interested great go check it out um, and they'll do the same to me. I'll be like, dang, your bike looks so cool. And they're like, well, here's the key. Well, kind of like your friend said, you know, mm -hmm. if, if we're the same size, if I can ride this yeah. and you can ride this. Right. Yes. And I think that that's part of establishing that network of women when you mm -hmm. are, um, exploring a power sport or even exploring the outdoors, it, it there's a, there's an aspect of feeling more comfortable and feeling like you can ask more questions, mm -hmm. but also there's that aspect of they're not going to let you slide because mm -hmm. they are women as well. And, yep. and they have figured it out and it yep. didn't just they didn't just wake up one day and, and have, you know, more athleticism or more know-how. Mm -hmm. They had to do the same thing that you've been doing the last couple of years with yeah. figuring out how to, how to teach yourself and how to become proficient in this new sport. And definitely, even though you have the training of the on-road, mm -hmm. it was a whole different, whole different world. So yeah. taking a class, um, finding that network of women, uh, leaning into other people that you know that have mm -hmm. it and just asking them, you know, what yeah. do you know, or can I try it or can I borrow some of Absolutely. your Absolutely. Never um, be afraid to ask questions. Although overarching all of this, seat time. Seat time. Seat Get time. your butt in the seat. You just have to go the first time you ride versus the tenth time you ride and keep it keep track. I keep track of a lot of things. I have a actually really cute story about that. But the first time you ride to the tenth time you ride, you're gonna see a huge improvement. I love tenth that. to the twentieth, another huge improvement. Month one versus month sixth you're not even going to recognize your riding style. It's going to progress at such a fast rate if you keep up. And that's not riding every day. That's every weekend mm -hmm. for three hours. Mm -hmm. You know, go out and find a trail, go out and try and do the same trail, but maybe go around the corner a little faster, go find a dirt lot and practice stopping. Or go with your kids. Honestly, I see oh, yeah. so many families coming in that are buying the 50 cc's or they're buying, you know, the one tens, the step up, or, you know, they, they've got their kids there and everybody's excited. And, and I've met a lot of women customers who mm. got into it because their family was into it. And yep. maybe if, you know, if your family's into it and you're on the fence, like you said, get in the seat yeah, and just absolutely. And just get that time. Right. You buy your seven-year-old a bike, get on that bike. Yeah, for sure. Figure out what they're the doing. The 50s are so they're fun. So I love cool. cruising around in the 50s. And, they're so and much honestly, fun. That, that I think 
that literally is what got me motivated about being able to dirt bike one day, as silly mm-hmm. as that sounds, is getting on the 50s mm-hmm. and just zooming around the store or zooming around the parking lot mm-hmm. and, and learning. I, I grew up driving a manual transmission, so I understand the concept of a clutch, but I had never used a clutch on mm-hmm. a bike before. So yep. being able to transfer that knowledge to the bike and just learning on a on a bike where, you know, if I fall over, I mean, I'm like so close to the ground, it's just this tiny little thing, but it, it helps me to understand the basic mechanics of how to use the clutch. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get excited about it when I could, when I could get through those gears quickly and I, yep. could, you know, get through them on the turns, even if it's just around the parking lot. I'm like, dang, you know, I can do this. Like mm-hmm. I, I can do this. It's an intimidating and yep. it's a little nerve wracking and it's like, what do I actually need in terms of gear and, you know, training and all of that? But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, like you said, if you, if you have exposure to a 50 CC, get on it. Cause they're yep. super fun. Absolutely. Anything to kind of light that spark. Yeah. And then you'll find yourself thinking about it a little bit more and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got a whole Saturday morning free and you go ride and you get done. You have this like glow and you're like, heck yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm on my way. You're already on your way. Well, it's so I good. I love that so much. Kate, uh-huh. how can people um, find you, follow you? Um, I'm usually on Instagram the most, uh, my Instagram is Kate made that and it's Kate with a C and I'm sure we'll, I'll post about this and we can, and I'll I, tag I it. I love yeah. your, I've been following you on Instagram and following your adventures and I mm-hmm. love that you are so honest and authentic about, uh, your life and your riding. And I love that you give very honest reviews about the gear and the machines that you have exposure to. Um, and I just, I appreciate woman to woman that you are contributing to the power sports community Absolutely. and that you agreed to take time out of this crazy busy schedule yeah. as you're organizing this event. Um, and for people that don't know about it again, the Devilstone run, super fun. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to participating in it. And if it's you missed a blast. it this year, sign up next year. Yep. Uh, it's every, I think Labor Day weekend. Yes, it correct? is. Every Labor Day yeah. weekend. Um, and it looks to be a lot of fun. So we are, I'm, I'm super excited about yep. it. Yep. I'm so, so glad you get here. Any, any chance I get to talk about motorcycles? Yeah. Cause I, I mean, everyone gets to the community or the industry in different in ways, different ways. That's right. different paths, but we're all working towards the same goal. And it's just to go out and have a blast on a bike, no matter what style, shape, size, doesn't matter. Well, just I look forward to doing that with you this weekend as a passenger, but mm-hmm. soon we can be doing it together off road. two different riders. Heck yeah. Off-road. <laughs> Sounds Perfect. great. Thank you so much. Of and again, this, the, uh, thank you again to our sponsor, Can-Am, for bringing this podcast. And thank you again to Kate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you.